Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The humblest events sometimes result from the most grandiose beginnings. You'd never imagine space travel starting this way, for instance. Two Weeks in August by Frank M. Robinson. That's next on the Lost Sci-Fi Podcast. Thanks for another five-star review on Apple Podcasts. DS Boston One says, Great! Although the original Star Trek is almost considered vintage by now, these stories go back even further. Short, compelling tales, read perfectly by Scott, with no unnecessary bells and whistles. You can of course tell that these were written in a very different time, but that's part of the educational process, learning about the roots of sci-fi and how it's changed. Thank you, Scott. Thank you for your fantastic review. We appreciate you and every listener we have in more than 130 countries around the world. Thank you for listening, rating, reviewing, sharing, and supporting our podcast. Today's story comes from Galaxy Science Fiction Magazine in February 1951. On page 102, we will find... Two Weeks in August by Frank M. Robinson. I suppose there's a guy like McCleary in every office. Now, I'm not a hard man to get along with, and it usually takes quite a bit more than overly bright remarks from the office boy to bother me. But try as I might, I could never get along with McCleary. To be as disliked as he was, you have to work at it. What kind of guy was he? Well, if you came down to the office one day, proud as punch, because of something little Johnny or Josephine had said, 
It was a sure sense that McClary would horn in was something his little Louie had spouted off that morning. At any rate, when McCleary got through, you felt like taking Johnny to the doctor to find out what made him subnormal. Or maybe you happened to buy a new Super 8 that week and were bragging about the mileage, the terrific pickup, and how quickly she responded to the wheel. Leave it to McCleary to give you a quick rundown on his own car that would make you feel like selling yours for junk at the nearest scrap heap. Well, you see what I mean. But by far the worst of it was when vacation time rolled around. You could forgive a guy for topping you about how brainy his kids are, and you might even find it in your heart to forget the terrific bargain he drove to work in. But vacation time was when he'd really get on your nerves. You could pack the wife and kids in Old Reliable and roll out to the lake for your two weeks in August. You might even break the bank and spend the two weeks at a poor man's Sun Valley. But no matter where you went, when you came back, you'd have to sit in silence and listen to McCleary's account of his vacation in the Adirondacks or his tramp in the Canadian wilds or maybe even the old French Quarter. The trouble was, he always had the photographs, the ticket stubs, and the souvenirs to prove it. Where he got the money, I'll never know. Sometimes I'd tell the wife about it, and she'd sniff and wonder what kind of shabby house they lived in that they could afford all the other things. I never looked him up myself. Tell you the truth, I was afraid I'd find the McCleary's lived on Park Avenue. Now, you look forward to a vacation all year, but particularly during the latter part of July when, what with the heat and the stuffy office, you begin to feel like a half-done hot dog at a barbecue. I was feeling even worse than usual as I was faced with spending my two weeks in my own backyard, most of my vacation dough having gone to pay the doctor. The only thing I minded was having McCleary find out about it and seeing that phony look of sympathy roll across his fat face while he rambled on about the vacation he was going to have. It was lunchtime, and we just finished talking about the latest on television and what was wrong with the administration and who'd win the pennant when Bob Young brought up the subject of vacations. And turned out he was due for a trip to the Ozarks, and Donnelly was going after Walleye Pike in northern Wisconsin. I could sense McCleary prick up his ears clear across the room. How about you, Bill? Donnelly asked me. Got any plans? I winked heavily and jerked a thumb warningly toward McCleary, making sure McCleary couldn't see the gesture. My vacation is really going to be out of the world this time, I said. Me and the wife are going to Mars. Dry, you know. Even better than Arizona for sinus. Even with the wink, they were caught off guard for a minute. Mars? Donnelly said feebly, edging his chair away. Yeah, sure, great place. Never been there myself, though. Young just gaped, then grinned as he caught on. I understand it's a wonderful spot, he chipped in. I casually peeled a hard-boiled egg the wife had packed in my lunch bucket and leaned back in my swivel chair. It's really swell. I said dreamily, but loud enough so McCleary couldn't help but overhear. Drifting down the Grand Canal at evening, 
the sun a faint golden disk behind the crystal towers of Marsport, I let my voice drift into a long sigh and reached for Donnelly's sack of grapes. About this time, McCleary had gnawed his way through a big pastrami sandwich and waddled over. He stood there expectantly, but we carefully ignored him. Always wanted to go myself, Donnelly said in the same tone of voice he would have used to say he'd like to go to California someday. Pretty expensive, though, isn't it? Expensive? I raised a studiedly surprised eyebrow. Oh, I suppose a little, but it's worth it. The wife and I got a roomette on the Princess of Mars for one thirty-nine fifty. That's one way, of course. Mars, Young sighed wistfully. There was a moment of silence, with all three of us paying silent tribute to the ultimate in vacations. McCleary slowly masticated a leaf of lettuce, his initial look of suspicion giving way to half-belief. Let's hear some more about it, Young said enthusiastically, suddenly recovering from his reverie. Oh, there isn't much more, I said indifferently. We plan to stay at the Red Sands Hotel in Marsport, American plan. Take in Marsport with maybe a side trip to Crystallite. If we have time, we might even take a waterway cruise to the North Pole. I broke off and dug Donnelly in the ribs. Man, you never fished until you have a Martian flying fish at the end of the line. I grabbed a ruler off the desk and began using it as an imaginary rod and reel. Talk about fight. Oh, sorry, Mac. The ruler had amputated part of a floppy lettuce leaf that hung from McCleary's sandwich. I settled down in my chair again and started paying attention to my lunch. Nothing like it, I added between mouthfuls of liverwurst. How about entertainment? Young winked slyly. Well, you know, the wife will be along, I said. But some of the places near the Grand Canal and those Martian mist maidens Brother, if I was unattached, there ain't any life on Mars, McCleary said, suspicious again. All three of us looked at him in shocked silence. He says there's no life on Mars, Donnelly repeated. You ever been there, McCleary? I asked sarcastically. No, but just the same. All right, I cut in. Then you don't know whether there is or isn't. So kindly reserve your opinion until you know a little about the subject under discussion. I turned back to Donnelly and Young. Really a wonderful place for your health. Dry, thin air, nice and cool at night, and beautiful. From Marsport, you can see low-slung mountains in the distance, dunes of soft red sand stretching out to them. If I were you, Bob, I'd forget all about the Ozarks and sign up on the rocket. There ain't any rockets going to Mars, McCleary said obstinately. Isn't, I corrected. I mean, there is. Besides, McCleary, just because you never heard of something doesn't mean it doesn't exist. The government's still working on V2, McCleary said flatly. They haven't even reached the moon yet. I sighed softly, acting disgusted at having to deal with somebody as stupid as McCleary. Mac. That's the government. And besides, they're dealing with military rockets. And did you ever hear of the government perfecting something before private industry? Who perfected the telephone, the radio, television? The government? No. Private industry, of course. 
Private industry has always been ahead of the government on everything, including rockets. Get on the stick, Mac. McCleary started in on his lettuce leaf again, looking very shrewd. How come I never heard of it before now? he asked, springing the clincher argument. Look, Mac, this is relatively new. The company's just starting. Can't afford to take full-page ads and that sort of thing. Just give them time, that's all. Why, a couple of years from now, you'll be spending your vacation on Venus or Jupiter or someplace like that. From now on, California and the Bahamas will be strictly old hat. McCleary looked half-believing. Where'd you get your tickets? I waved vaguely in the direction of downtown. Oh, there must be at least a couple of agencies downtown. Might even be able to find them in the phone book. Look under interplanetary rocket lines or something like that. You might have a little difficulty, of course. Like I say, they're not too well advertised. McCleary was about to say something more, but then the one o'clock bell rang and we went back to the office grind. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, McCleary didn't say anything more about it the next day, even though we'd throw in a chance comment about Mars every now and then as if it were the most natural thing in the world. But Mac didn't rise to the bait. We gradually forgot about it. The next couple of weeks came and went, and then my two weeks in August. Like I said before, my vacation dough had gone to pay the doctor, so I stayed at home and watered the begonias. The Monday morning after vacation, we were all back in the office, if anything looking more fagged than we had when we left. When lunchtime rolled around, Donnelly and Young and I piled our lunches on Donnelly's desk. His desk was near a window on the north side of the building, so we could get the breeze, and talked about what we'd done during vacation. McCleary ambled up, and like it usually does after McCleary comes around, the conversation just naturally died down. After a two-minute silence, I finally took the hook. Okay, Mac, I said. I know you're just dying to tell us. Where did you go? He almost looked surprised. To Mars, he said, like he might have said Aunt Minnie's. The three of us looked blank for a minute, and then we caught on. It took us a while to recover from laughing, and my sides were still aching when I saw McCleary's face. It definitely had a hurt look on it. You don't think I did? He accused us. Oh, come off it, McCleary. 
I said crossly. A gag's a gag, but it can be carried too far. Where'd you go? California? Oregon? Someplace like that? I said I went to Mars, McCleary repeated hotly, and I can prove it. Sure, I said. Like I can prove the world's flat, and it's supported by four elephants standing on a turtle's back like the old Greeks. I cut off. McCleary had thrown a couple of pasteboards on the desk, and I picked them up. The printing on it was like you see on a Pullman ticket. It said something about a roomette, first-class passage on the Martian Prince for one hundred fifty-four seventy-five, And there was even a place where they had the tax figured. In two blanks at the top of the ticket, they had it filled out to E.C. McCleary and wife. The bottom was torn off just like they do with train tickets. Very clever, I said. But you shouldn't have gone to all that trouble to have these printed up. McCleary scowled and dropped a little bunch of Kodachrome slides on the desk. I took one and held it up to the light. It showed Mac and his wife mounted on something that looked like a cross between a camel and a zebra. They were at the top of a sand dune, and in the distance you could see the towers of a city. The funny thing was the towers looked a little, but not much, like minarets, and the sand dunes were colored a beautiful pink. I passed it on to Donnelly and Young and started leafing through the rest. They were beautiful slides. McCleary and Spouse in front of various structures in a delicately tinted marble and crystal city. McCleary in a pink and black boat on a canal that looked as wide as the Mississippi. McCleary standing on a strangely carved sandstone parapet, admiring a sunset caused by a sun looking half as big as ours. And everywhere were the dunes of pink sand. Pictures can be faked, Mac, I said. He looked hurt and got some things out of his desk a sateen pillow with scenes like those on his snapshots, an urn filled with pink sand, a tiny boat like a gondola, only different, a letter opener made out of peculiar bubbly pink glass. They were all stamped souvenir of Mars, and that kind of junk you don't have made up for a gag. I know mass-produced articles when I see them. We couldn't afford the first-class tour. McCleary said expansively. But I figure we can cover that next year. He turned to me puzzledly. I asked the passenger agent about the Princess of Mars, and he said he'd never heard of the ship. And it's Mars City, not Mars Port. Couldn't understand how you made a mistake. It was easy, I said weakly. I pointed to the pasteboard ducats. Where'd you get these, Mac? He waved generously in the direction of downtown. Like you said, there's a couple of agencies downtown. You know, sometimes I think we misjudged McCleary. It takes a while to get to know a guy like Mac. Maybe his Louie is brighter than Johnny. And maybe his Chugmobile is something terrific. For the last few years, all on account of Mac, my two weeks in August have really been well spent. Beautiful. Why, from Mars City, you can see low-slung mountains in the distance and dunes of soft red sand stretching out to them. 
and the sunsets when you're standing on the parapets of that delicate crystal city, and man, fishing in the Grand Canal. How do you get to Mars? There's probably a couple of agencies in your own town. You can look them up in your phone book under Vacation at the Planets of Pleasure or something like that. They might be a little difficult to find, though. You see, they're not very well advertised yet. Next on the Lost Sci-Fi Podcast, she was sad and lonely, this 18-year-old college freshman. So when he paid attention to her, she reluctantly did the very things her mother warned her about. Dance of the Dead by Richard Matheson. <laughs>